0: Ask askpat.com,
1: ask ask askpat.com, What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to episode 1093 of AskPat 2.0. This is the final installment of a series of episodes over the last three, including this one, where I take you live on stage at FlynnCon1. Uh, this is my first community event for Team Flynn that happened in San Diego in July of 2019 on Saturday night, I invited the crowd to come in and join me with a, an experiment. And the experiment was, can I do Ask Pat live in a live setting by answering a number of questions from people in the audience the night? And it went an hour and a half and it was so much fun. You can hear the music, you can hear the crowd cheering, you can hear laughter, you can hear the questions from the audience. It was so cool. We're thinking about maybe one day taking this live on the road, which would be really cool. And this was sort of a, just an experiment to see what would happen and everybody enjoyed it, which was a lot of fun. And I hope you're enjoying it as well. You've heard a couple episodes from the live stage. And this third one is with another special guest. We had Chalene Johnson in the last episode who came on the stage to help me answer questions live there. And today you're going to listen to the final segment, the third part of Ask Pat Live, where my buddy Chris Ducker, one of my best friends, comes on the stage with me. He was gracious enough to worked so hard to become the MC for FlynnCon 1, and I'm just so thankful that he did that. But he also came on Saturday night to help answer questions as well. We answered some really good ones, and I remember them. I'm remembering them. I'm remembering the audience. I'm remembering some fun things that happened in the middle. You're, you'll hear them. So much fun, and I hope you enjoy this. So stick around, and of course, if you wanna get your tickets to FlynnCon 2 now so you can join us next year in San Diego in July, July 24 to twenty-six family-friendly event. Unlike anything else that you've ever been to, FlynnCon2.com is where you want to go. Tickets are selling out right now and prices go up at the end of each month. So get them now. But for right now, here he is, Chris Ducker from upreneur.com. For those of you listening right now, you might not know what's going on when I make a certain noise. There's T-shirts being sent out. I just want you to not be weirded out by that. And if you were weirded out, you're probably not listening anymore. So that's okay. <laughs> All right, now we have another special guest, our special my best friend, my MC, Chris Ducker is gonna come up and join me just like Shaleen did. By the way, big shout out to you and your book, Rise of the Upreneur, Game Changer Man, Rise of the Upreneur.com. You know, we gave Shalen some love for her book. I wanted to make sure that you get something up here because you've done so much amazing work, not just here at Flincon, but with Upreneur, the community, and then of course this book as well. Why should people pick up the
2: book? Uh because it's awesome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They should pick up the book if they are genuinely at a point in their life and their career when they feel like it's time to genuinely, truly start monetizing their passion and their expertise. That is exactly the reason why I wrote this book. I mean, it's only been out a year and a bit. And I don't think there's a day that I wake up where I don't get a tweet or a DM or an email from somebody saying that it's actually genuinely finally putting money in their pocket. Love it, man. So, yeah, that's why they want to pick it up. You going to pick it up? Uh-huh. Could do better than that, if you try. I've been running all over this place. <laughs> so all we can...
3: Woo!
2: No. <laughs> Are you ready to answer some questions?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to go quickly here. Here we go. Hey, Pat and... Um, Chris.
4: Chris. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Well, I wanted to say Shailene, so sorry. Uh, But she was just up here. Um, My name's Billy Grogan, and I currently serve as a police chief at a department outside of Atlanta. You can ask as many questions as you want, sir. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Um... (laughs) On the side, I run a website, topcopleadership.com, where I try to serve aspiring law enforcement leaders, help them reach their career goals, and get promoted, and ultimately maybe become a police chief. And so my question is this, because of my audience typically doesn't pay for their development, their employer, the government, pays for it typically, so it's been difficult kind of breaking into them willing to actually take money out of their own pocket to give me. So do you have any advice on dealing with an audience like that? And they're typically, police officers in general, are kind of skeptical about different things. So,
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just like anything else, right? It's, it's about building up that trust and that rapport in your prospects. And, you know, you do that in this day and age, you do that anyway by creating incredibly original incredibly valuable incredibly helpful online content so it doesn't matter what type of new media that you're actually getting involved with it could be blogs it could be podcasts it could be online videos it could just be social you can just go live on a social media page or you know inside a, a Facebook group or something like that but I think you've got to show up very 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 consistently and if anybody has spent any amount of time in the sales industry and I've been in the sales business since I was 17, they will know that there are four or five touch points usually in the sales process before you actually hear a yes. So if you take that on board and you have to try and create those touch points as part of that trust and that rapport building procedure, then the yes of them ultimately putting the hand in the pocket or asking their superiors to do so is obviously going to be way more attainable. Does that make sense? Yes. And, cool. and I love that because when you
1: combine that, all that value giving, or as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, jab, 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 those are jabs. Yep. The right hook and the ask, when that aligns with their career goals, then it makes sense. If I shell these dollars, I get this back. And I'm going to give it to this person because they've already helped me so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. Here
3: we go. Hi, I'm Michael Persad with uh, the Church Brand Guide podcast. And so I help nonprofits to basically tell their story to attract more people and get them to contribute. So uh, I used to have an agency, I still do, where I'd build websites and different things like that. And I'd ask them, okay, tell me about what you do and I'll build you a great website. And it was all over the place. So I developed a podcast because I developed a system to help them walk through that. So the podcast kind of helps nonprofits walk through who they are, defining who that is. And I've been intrigued by this idea of a membership. And if it's a good idea or not, or if it's just a course or something along those lines that takes that content and allows me to help more people by providing it in a maybe a way I can coach them a little bit more and be more specific to their needs. But I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. Do you have any thoughts about a membership versus a course?
2: Well, I run a membership, and I have done since 2015, called the Upreneur Academy. And I will say there are three things that you have to really take on board and appreciate with memberships. The first thing is, well, actually, the first two things are really good things. The the third thing is maybe not so good. The first thing is that it's recurring revenue. And everybody loves the idea of somebody giving them the same amount of money every month, every quarter, every year, whatever it is, right? The second thing that's good is that because it's recurring, it's predictable, Now, what business owner in the world doesn't want to have predictable income, right? I've never met an entrepreneur in my life that says, no, I'd rather just uh, wing it every month, right? It doesn't happen. So recurring revenue, predictable revenue, very, very good. The third thing when it comes to memberships, though, and this is maybe the not so good thing, is that you got to be recurring. You got to be predictable every single month. You need to show up. Over and over and over again. And that's why so many online communities fall by the wayside because the people running them initially, anyway, go into it all guns blazed and say, oh, it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be, this is gonna be the best thing ever. And I'm gonna serve my people over and over. And then six months later, they're tired, they're stressed, they're worn out, they're rolling around on the floor in an office in the fetal position, they're doing all these things, right? <laughs> Although he didn't even have a membership, to go figure. But no, what, what I'm getting at here is that you should not start a membership unless you want and you are in a position to show up for your community every single month, if that's what you need to do, or quarterly, annual, whatever it is. And that's the difference between a course
1: and a membership. The membership is, you know, a person can take a course, but then be a member later to get that ongoing support. And that's where you get, and the biggest struggle I've had with membership sites in the past before is that recurring having to show up and, and feeling like that content always has to be pushed into there. But I realize it's not about that; it's about the community as well and the support that they get there. Understanding that when they go there, they can get the help that they need, and and that's really important. We we've talked on Team Flynn with Team SPI, maybe doing a membership site at some point. You and I have had this discussion for the last yeah, it's been something we've dealt with, so, and, yeah. and it's scary, and and we only want to do it if it's going to be right. So. We're thinking about those kinds of things too. So, you know, you'll probably hear me as we filter that and, and validate it whether we, you know, whatever we discover. And we also have some good friends who run places where they can get help with membership sites. You Mike, right? Mike and Callie
2: over at the memberguys.com. They're and, fantastic at what they do. And then Stu McLaren. Yep. from And Tri- Stu is phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Amazing. I yep. love I love that guy.
2: Yeah. Uh, cool. The that help. That's great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Uh, we're going to cut off the questions. And we're going to go as fast as we can to get through as many people. Rapid fire?
2: Yeah. Okay, let's do it.
1: But thank you for for being there. Uh, We're going to
5: go over here. Yes. Hi, I'm Alicia Michelle with Vibrant Christian Living. And I have a podcast. And I'm also a life coach for women. And my question is regarding Instagram. I have been taking a break from all social media to kind of get centered and find myself again coming back to Instagram and kind of restarting everything. I've heard Shailene talk a lot about it. direct messaging, all these other things. If you were to just... I mean, should I focus on posts? Should I focus on stories? What do you recommend in terms of a strategy on Instagram right now?
2: Well, what you want to do with social mostly is hang out where your people are hanging out. So you want to find out exactly what they're doing and where they're consuming content. If I personally had to pick, particularly with Instagram, Mm -hmm. and I will say that Instagram is the one that I've leaned into the most Mm -hmm. over the last 18 months or so, without a doubt, the most engagement. Online is from Instagram for me right now. And if I had to pick, I'd go with stories. Okay, yeah. so
5: even over posts or IGTV? Or yeah, I mean, I, I think really kind of stories. the
2: posts for me personally, I I rarely post on my Instagram profile. Like I've done a couple over the last couple of days okay. since I've been here, but normally that's managed by my team. Okay, But with stories, yeah. it's on me, baby. Yeah, love it. So And I, th- and I think people know that. Mm. And you only have to look at the likes and the comments and how... Post numbers have all kind of dropped. They've all gone a bit funky recently. Whereas on stories, every time I, you know, sign in, I can see hundreds of people have viewed my stories. So clearly that's where my audience is. Be where your audience is. That's the short answer. And I would also say be where your
1: energy is. You know, what is more exciting for you to create and and just focus wholly on that as much as possible. Although I will say my strategy has been experimental to see what my audience likes and responds to as well. So I usually do one post a day, a few stories a day, And then every once in a while when I post a video on YouTube, I actually take that same video and I put it on IGTV as well. I mean, we use a tool called Splash EO to turn it into the ones where it has, like, the captions on top and it's nicely done. And that actually has a lot of engagement. The videos in the feed are getting a lot of engagement because they're previews of the IGTV. So then people, like, especially if you time it and make that first minute really juicy... Yeah. people are going to click to then yeah. watch the others and then they get into, into your other videos too. So I experiment, but definitely wherever they are, go okay. for sure.
5: Okay, great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Awesome.
6: Hi, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Two men, I thought I was going to have a, a Charlize here as well. My name is Beth Handler and I am launching a Women Empowerment World, which is weworld.tv it's a video streaming platform that within three months will be global in all countries, downloadable videos, and I'm adding a podcast, so video streaming for, with segments that are under six minutes to follow the trend of low, you know, short, and in addition, having a podcast series for longer conversations. What I've been able to generate is A-list celebrities, 23 interviews so far that are the founder of Black Lives Matter, the founder of some of the Me Too movement leaders, and men, amazing men, it's like raising the feminine in all of us, men and women. I'm a television media buyer. I've been in it for years and the industry changed. So I'm in a whole new bucket, you know, with this whole new world of social. One question, and I have to go quick, I understand. So the idea of We World TV and Women Empowerment World, it's I'm really, I don't want men to feel turned off that this is a feminazi type of launch. This is more of I'm sharing stories of leaders who are the game changers and the activists of today changing for healing the world. And my who I have are all about those messages. And I'll run national TV ads as well to drive traffic back mm-hmm. to the video streaming platform. Question is, the naming, We World TV and the podcast, the We World podcast or do I just go ahead and just get it out there Women Empowerment World? I have Women Empowerment Podcast and I have, you know, Women Empowerment World and I have We World TV. So that's okay, my
2: Okay, time out. So, welcome to my world. This is what I'm going to do right now. Who do you want to ultimately serve and Create things and sell things to men or women. You can't do both. Women. Well, then you call it Women Empowerment World. That's it. And there naturally are going to be men who are going to be interested
1: in in it as well. Of course.
6: Yeah, and I guess it's just I've dealt with so many men and doing decision making and business. So I guess it's just like being committed.
1: And it's going to be a lot easier for a woman to understand that this is the community that they need to be a part of, especially if, if that's in it.
6: And yeah. though men can, I can still b- include men in my interviews and all of yeah. that. So it's almost like the men that are there, because it is about coming together.
1: Yeah. And have that be portrayed in who you interview and the types of content and the vibe when you get there. If anybody has any concerns when they get there, those are going to be dispelled because of how you treat your business and, and who you have on. The all fact right.
2: that you're going over this so much shows that you give a damn, which is good. Yeah. But now you've got the answer. you got to get on and do it.
6: Correct. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Hi, Pat. Hi, Chris. Um, Chris, I, for one, am very happy to be talking with you. I'm excited. Thank you. My name is Mindy Marzek. I'm a blogger at...
2: Do you need Pat to stay for this? No, he can
0: go. (laughs) you want to take a little break? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Pat. I'm so excited to be here at No, we're just kidding. No, thank you. Um,
2: She's not excited about you. I just want to say it.
0: My name is... (laughs) My name is Mindy Marzek. I'm a blogger at thisfairytellife.com. I also do blogging and social media coaching, and I have a podcast called Influencer Education. This is my conundrum. I, as a blogger, make most of my income through the blog, and a lot of that is paid opportunities with brands. So sponsored posts, sponsored Instagram posts, et cetera. I am a big fan of authentic marketing, growing your audience in an authentic way, being your true authentic self. The problem is that I... I'm competing and the people I'm coaching are competing against people in my industry who grow their audience through inauthentic methods. And I have a really tough time myself with the mindset of trying to ignore them when they're getting the paid opportunities I want. They're getting the media events I want. And I know that they're growing through inauthentic methods and it's not right. But if I did that too, I would be getting those things. And I'm just, my ethics won't let me do that. Mm -hmm. But I have a really tough time. Like every day I kind of beat myself not beat myself up about it, but I think about it. And also the people I'm coaching, you know, I don't know. I want to teach them to be authentic, but also they want, you know, the, to get the fast track too. So I kind of just don't know how to wrap my brain around that and really help them the best way that I can to grow an authentic following and, and get ahead.
2: So here's the thing. You could do what they're doing and ultimately go against your grain to speed the process up. You might gain something in the short term, but in the long term, you will lose way more, sweetheart, way more. And the fact of the matter is that a duplicate is always, always going to be worth a hell of a lot less than an original. So just continue (laughs) to do what you're doing. Serve your people well, and they'll continue to stick around. The inauthentic mob that are out there with those short-term gains, they ain't going to be around for very long. Trust me, I've seen it over and over again.
0: Thank you, Chris. Here
1: we go.
5: Hi, Pat. Hi, Chris. My name is Cynthia. I'm a software engineer, and I'm doing a dropshipping business on the side. So, Many times, I mean, all the time I put all my effort and energy into building a store, putting the products, start the marketing. But sometimes I don't get the results that I expect. So I bet that had happened to you guys. So how do you guys deal with that? And how do you guys recover? Because it takes me some time to be like, okay, I have to go back and do it again and try new strategies and all that. So do you guys have any tips or strategies on how to recover and keep going?
1: (laughs) It's funny because Chris and I have had conversations when we both go through those similar situations. And I think the most important thing is to talk it out with somebody who understands what's going on to see if they can just help you. And sometimes that help is not, oh, you did this wrong or you should have done it this way. It's just, you need somebody to talk it out with. Because actually, when I've talked it out with Chris a number of times, I've been able to, through that sort of just talking, be able to realize what I actually could have done better, right? Even without Chris saying anything. Like, I don't even really need him.
2: <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just need uh, to bring a you, picture. You so need me. <laughs> but, but on a serious note, though, he's 100% bang on the money. And if you haven't got a group of people around you, here's the thing. And everyone in this room, and I know everyone can relate to this. There are people around us. It could be our spouse, our partner, It could be our brothers or sisters or our best friend even. There are people around us that don't get what we do as entrepreneurs. And we want to talk to them. And when we do, we get all excited and we go, oh, I'm going to do this and Instagram and YouTube and silver button and all this kind of stuff, right? And they look at you like you're mental. You're like you've got a screw loose. They don't understand. We're weirdos. Entrepreneurs are strange people. We're type A certifiably insane human beings. But in this room, these are your people. We're all nut jobs. <laughs> every one of us in this room right now. So my advice to you, darling, is to go ahead and find two or three people before you leave Flincon. create a little mastermind group for each other, meet up with each other once every couple of weeks on Zoom or Skype, if you want to you know, drive yourself insane with latency issues and all that sort of stuff. I hope there's no one from Microsoft here. I'm so sorry. They didn't sponsor yeah, this. The issues, moment but... your company bought the company, though, it went down south, didn't it? It really did. It all went wrong. But <laughs> mastermind group, mastermind group, find people that get it and understand it. It'll make it easier for you.
1: Right, and that can help you the next time when you do it again, because sometimes when you do it again after a fail, you're just expecting to fail again. Yeah. But when you get that encouragement, that support, and you know you've made changes purposefully, you're not just launching the same thing. You drive yourself insane expecting different results doing the exact same thing. And this is where other people can get involved to help you do something differently so that you can get different results. And always realizing that failure is not bad. Failure is an option, and it's okay, and it's a learning process. Thank you. Thank you.
6: you. Hi. My name is uh, Connie Bennett, and I'm an author first and journalist first. I'm author of the book Sugar Shock and Beyond Sugar Shock. And my podcast is uh, Gab with the Gurus. I have another one that's launching soon. And I have a book coming out called I Believe My Diet, Now What? So my question is actually more about how we, your super fans, as you call them, can help you. How can we help you with the launch of your new book that you were kind enough to give to all of us and what plans do you have? And then, of course, how how can we serve both of you, support both of you since you guys Thank have you. done so much for us?
1: Thank you. I mean, this weekend is about you, but I appreciate you asking that. And and, and, and you know, since the beginning of Superfans, when it was written in November, I've always wanted to get you guys involved in the process. I want to get you guys continued to, to stay involved in that process. Tomorrow, you're going to see a slide on the screen there about joining our launch team. There's still time to join the Superfans launch team, which means you get, you already have the book. those people who are in there now have just the PDF file, so you can go in there and show them how cool it is, mm. but also, it's sort of just people who want to go and support will all kind of make some noise on on launch day on August thirteenth and honestly whatever and whoever you want to share it with is is more than enough. I'm not here to ask you to bend over backwards for me. I am here to deliver value, and I know that many of you will just help out with it. you know i'm that that's for you, so this
6: yeah. Well, I'm also watching you because I am planning the launch of and you're my not next third book. You're looking, and yeah, I'm watching the, you very carefully. So
1: go to smartpassiveincome.com and in the search bar, type book launch.
2: I already did, yeah. Okay,
1: there's a lot of info from a lot of amazing authors, Chris included, Jeff Goins, Michael Hyatt, about book publishing specifically. I mean, all that there is gold. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
5: Hi, Chris. Hi, Pat. Hey. First of all, thank you so much for putting this conference on. I know... You had to overcome a lot of discomfort and fear to do that, but you truly are changing our lives, so thank you for that. And so my name is Wendy Kim, and I am an author, speaker, and also a business coach. And my focus as of late has been on empowering Asian American women to step into their leadership and to their power. And as many entrepreneurs face, I deal with shiny object syndrome. So I've spent the last several years building up my coaching business, which is doing well. And now I want to build up my email list so I can have more passive income. And I want to do a live event. I want to start a podcast. You want to do all of them (laughs) tomorrow. I want to do an online course. How do you make the decision in terms of what what you would recommend for me, but what would be your next big project that you would work on?
2: I mean, for me, it always comes down to like situations, right? So if I'm working with my coaching students, and for example, they want or need to create a certain amount of revenue influx in a short amount of time, my advice to them would be, where's the lowest hanging fruit? It could be one-on-one coaching. It could be putting on a quick mastermind event, maybe 10, 20, 30 people. It could be by spending a couple weeks putting together a a course and getting it out there, whatever it is, that's like, I need it now, lowest hanging fruit all the way. If it's a slightly long-term game and you've got a little bit more of a financial runway in front of you, then you must talk to your audience and find out what they want from you. You see, when we start creating content, when we start building our communities, we do what we think. That's the key word there. We do what we think they want to see and hear from us. We write the blogs that we think they're going to want to read from us. But after six, maybe eight months of doing that consistently, the magic moment happens where you've actually got a little bit of a community. You've got a fan base. And it's up to you then to ask the right questions to be able to get the answers from them so that you can then going from doing what you think they need to showing up and actually doing what you know they want from you. And that's the big thing right there. And that's where you get the opportunity to put a price tag on the solution to those problems. So you've got to ask them what their problems are right now. What are their struggles right now? Will a course fit that? Will a live event fit that? Will more more impactful one-on-one coaching fit that? Whatever it is, and then obviously price accordingly. But yeah, you cannot do all the things for all the people all the time. You have to work, multitasking is a myth. It's called switch tasking, right? Shiny object syndrome, I call it squirrel syndrome. Ah, squirrel! Ah, squirrel! Ah, squirrel! Ah, squirrel! You just want to work, you want to get all the squirrels all the time, right? And you can't do that. It's not possible to do that. We're not built like that. We're not wired like that. So just work on one thing to completion, and then go on to the next thing, and so on and so on. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. So here's what we're going to do. I don't want to hold you too late because a lot of you are going to be hanging
1: out tonight. We're going to answer one more question per mic. And for the people who are standing up, you're going to meet me in that corner after. And I'm going to make sure to get your questions answered, okay? And then we'll have some fun tonight and come back tomorrow morning just like this morning. Does that sound good? All right. This has been fun. Are you guys having a good time? What do you think? Should we take this thing on the road at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Should we do it? tomorrow? <laughs> no way, because we're working on one thing at a time, starting with this. Qu- oh, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> starting with this question. Here we go. Cool.
7: Well, thank you both. Both of your work has meant so much to me and I've learned so much. So I just want to say that first. My name is Dan Norton, and I'm currently in the pre-launch phase of my business, RepurposeVideo.com, where I help brands reach more people on social media by repurposing their live streams, their webinars, their video content into micro pieces that are fully edited and customized for their brand. And I've been able to validate it by taking some clients that I've met from different uh, conferences over last year. And so I'm excited to build this. And I've suffered from the squirrel syndrome, the shiny object syndrome, trying to do different things over the years. But this one, I don't want to do that with. I want to focus. So I've set up ConvertKit email list, autoresponder, where I have a survey that goes out to start to find out the language of my customers so that I can create the best content and help the best way. What would be some ways that you guys can like, find out the language uh, and the struggles of the people you're trying to reach? What would be outside of
1: maybe just a survey?
2: You've done so much of this stuff. You should just answer this. Yeah, have real-life conversations.
1: Nothing is more important than it, in my opinion. Even with an email list of 225,000 right now, I still make the time to chat with 10 brand-new subscribers every
2: month. And I get them on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start getting, like, hate mail from Skype customers now. So we get on Zoom,
1: and we chat, or I get them on the phone. And some of those calls are really short because, you know, they're just… Oh my gosh, like, well, this is crazy. How are you reaching out? Why? And then other, other conversations literally go for a couple hours because they're just spilling. And oh my gosh, it's gold. And of mm. course, with Zoom, you can record. And you can record on Skype too now, by the way.
2: I know! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: those conversations are, are everything. Yeah. And literally, like with Will It Fly, the tagline, how to test your next business idea so you don't waste your time and money. That, those weren't my words. Those were from the words of a conversation, many conversations I've had. That was just a pattern recognition over time. And what's really cool is a byproduct of having a conversation with somebody is that they're so stoked about it that they're going to continue to consume your content, right? So I would highly recommend that. I mean, like, we don't talk to people anymore like we used to. Like, let's go back to that because that's how I think it should be.
3: Yeah,
2: I agree. And I would just say on surveys, because if you haven't surveyed your audience recently... You should do it. We do two surveys a year at Upreneur It's very important for us to, because we collect a lot of information that allow us to either rewrite certain landing pages or sales sequences inside of ConvertKit or whatever the case may be. But this is the big thing. You must make sure that at least 30% of the questions that you're asking on your surveys are open-ended questions, meaning they have to be answered with a sentence of some variety, a paragraph of some variety. Because when it's an open-ended question, it can't be yes or no, or a number. It has to be information. And obviously, information is everything. Once you've got the info, you can then start serving up what they need. So you've got to ask those open-ended questions. That's huge. I get surveys all the time from people that have like one open-ended question. You never get enough ammo from just one question. Would you watch a webinar if
1: I did it? Yes or no? Yeah. It's like, right. Uh, and read, read Ryan Levesque's book, Ask. Yeah. That changed the way I handled yeah. questions that I ask my audience. Yeah. Thanks, well, Dan. Thank you so much. Good stuff. Good luck with the launch. All right. Final question here we go.
5: Hey, Pat and Chris. This is Rakesh from RakeshOnFire.com. And I flew all the way from Toronto, Canada. Thank you. And I help my client to find their what, why, and develop their abundance mindset. So question for you in two parts. The one is, how you see podcasting in 2025, 20, six years from now? And the second part, I will love to hear both of you. What is the biggest business worry you both have, if any, and you have, and you have not found solution yet?
1: So to answer the question, podcast in 2025, very prevalent something that most of the population is going to be listening to. I mean, it's growing every year. We're over 50% now of people who are at least subscribed to one podcast. And on average, people are subscribed to seven, which is really amazing. And I love it because it is so much time in front of your audience. And I think now with Apple finally waking up and getting on board and helping us podcasters with killing iTunes, bringing Apple podcasts that you're going to see that in, in August putting a lot of effort into the search mechanisms in Apple Podcasts. They're actually going to automatically transcribe your podcast. I don't know if they're going to give us those transcripts, but what they're going to do is they're going to put them in their machine so that you could find podcast content through the words that podcasts say, not just the title or the description, just like YouTube does. And that's huge. That means they're putting money and time into podcasting. Spotify just bought a couple companies, Anchor and Gimlet Media for $350 million. There's going to be a lot more solutions, software, products. But here's the other thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot more noise. But I think like with blogging, and I would look at blogging to see a very similar pattern. And again, I don't have a DeLorean yet, so I can't necessarily validate this, but I would expect it would take a very similar path to blogs because that technology is now easily accessible like it's never been before. And if you aren't riding the podcasting wave right now, it's time to get on because it's going to be a long ride for sure. Any thoughts on podcasting in the future? I just
2: don't see it. You know, the funny thing is over in the United Kingdom, I was driving my car like, I don't know, two months ago, and there was two radio DJs talking about podcasts like they had just literally landed on the planet Earth. (laughs) Hi there. What a podcast is, is it gives you the ability to learn things from people on your phone. What is this person, what drugs is he taking? (laughs) This is the thing, like, it will speed up. It'll become bigger in places like the United States because it's just more rooted here already. So we'll have that knock-on effect. We'll eventually get it like five years later or something in the UK. It's generally the way it goes. And so I think that if you do have a voice, you want to be heard, and you want to serve a community of people that are going to be all about what you're about, and what you are the most passionate about sharing based on your personality and your expertise, if you are not podcasting six years from now, you will not be relevant enough for your people. Thank you. That's what I think. Wow. And then biggest worry? Uh, Sorry, what was the second word? Biggest worry about? Biggest business worry. My biggest business worry is, oh, that's a tough one. I got to be honest. I, I tend to not, I just get on with it. I mean, you know me. I don't really worry all that much. I don't really worry that You have much. micro worries, but you're not worried about... Yeah, there's not a huge... No, there's not a big thing. Because I know that... And, I'm you know, obviously, I wrote the book on how to build a business based around your personal brands. And part of the, the, the tagline of that book is how to become future-proof. Now, I believe in my career, and I've been building businesses for 15 years, I still own and operate several businesses with a multi-seven-figure annual revenue, but I have nothing to do with them day to day. All I focus on is on my own personal brand and developing the Upreneur brand. And I'm a big believer. I truly believe that I have made the actual last pivot of my career by focusing on building a business based around my personal brand. Not entirely reliant on it, but based around it. And so I think I'm future-proof. I'm not going to live forever, but I think from a business standpoint, I'm pretty future-proof right now because I know that as my interests change and morph and pivot themselves in the future with a hardcore group of customers and students and fans and followers behind me, they'll follow me because they know, love, and trust me and no like, and trust Is not enough anymore. You've got to be loved. You've got to be somebody's favorite. That's one of the reasons why I don't really worry so much about it. You worry, right? (laughs) I'm a worrywart, yes.
1: (laughs) And I, I worry about a lot of things and I get a lot of help from other people. I think my biggest worry is related to my family. And my worry is that if I were to get in an accident or pass away, that my family wouldn't be taken care of. That what I'm building now is solely and only reliant on me. And I know it kind of is right now. It's FlynnCon, right? But I want it to be bigger than me. This is why it's Team Flynn. This is why the team has come on board, Team SPI, to help with building something bigger than me and leaving a legacy that I can help others with, even if I'm not here. And that ripple effect gets started. My worry is that I go, everything all the opportunities that people have to be served will will die too. And so we're, we're going to talk a lot about legacy tomorrow. You guys are going to get to see my kids speak on stage, which will be really fun. And I'm really stoked to have time with you tomorrow.
5: Uh, thanks, play, uh, thanks, Pat, for being honest and, what do you call it, really real, as always, and really
3: helped me. I appreciate Thank you very much, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So hey, for you listeners, thank you so much for listening in today to Ask Platt.
2: <laughs> oh, we're gonna keep that ask one. Platt. Ask Platt. No, hey guys. Is, hey, when you say Ask Platt, is that the same as uh,
1: calling yourself Flat Pin? Yes, that was my nickname in college, Flat Pin. And <laughs> somebody sent me a text message taking a picture of my little flat board out there, and it said, "Hey, I found Flat Pin." So anyway, thanks for listening. To ask Pat as uh, a very special edition. Big thanks to the crowd who's live with us today. <laughs> and please make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, head on over to flincon2.com to get your tickets for next year if there are still any available. Oh, man, that was so much fun. I truly hope you enjoyed that. You can put all these three previous episodes together to get a feel for what that evening was like. Myself to start answering questions, then Chalene Johnson came on stage and we closed with Chris Ducker. Just so thankful for everybody who was there. The crowd, the energy, all the volunteers who were there throwing shirts. Remember, that's when I was going and, you know, people were just like getting first shirts served to their faces in a kind, gentle way, and then uh, it was cool because the next day a bunch of people were wearing them. So we had a lot of fun. I'm just so thankful, and we're excited for FlynnCon 2. Actually, we sold a load of tickets at FlynnCon 1 for next year already. Like that many people wanted to come back already we're excited because my team and I were planning it and we want to make it even more special for you. And we've learned a lot from the first go around, even though everybody was like, it was perfect. No, it wasn't perfect. There were things that, you know, didn't go according to plan, things that could have been run smoother. Uh, thankful for the audience who just has been so supportive and we're going to make it even better for you next year. So flincon 2com is where you want to go. Ticket prices go up at the end of each month. A lot of people now that they know what the the show is like the entire weekend they're quick to buy their tickets now. So you might want to be quick too. Hope to see you there. FlynnCon2.com. Bring your family, your kids. It'll be fun. It's going to be awesome. So thanks so much. I appreciate you. Team Flynn, you're amazing. Next week, we're going to go back to our regularly scheduled program with some more coaching calls. And soon after that, if not immediately, we're going to start doing these recap episodes where we're going to bring people back on the show who uh, were interviewed and coached earlier in the year to see... Where they're at now. Have they actually implemented the things that they said they were gonna implement? Are they still excited about the things they were still excited about back then? We're gonna see, but make sure you subscribe to the show so you can catch those. And uh, thank you for all the kind reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your show. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next one. Cheers, take care, and Team Flynn for the win. Woo!